Hey guys, thanks for tuning into Mass's World this week. Instead of asking you to rate, review, and subscribe to my podcast, I'm just going to ask you to share it with at least one friend. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Here's a message from our sponsors. Hey guys, welcome into this episode of Mass's World. Today I have an awesome guest on who I don't know anything about. His name is J.D. Dizon. What's up, J.D.? Hey, man. Um, so this show is going to be a little bit different as I'm going, to, I'm going in blind to hearing J.D.'s story. Um, I've been told by a few people that I need to hear it and that I need to um, put him on the show. So I did just that. And why it's going to be different is I did no preparation for this. So I'm bringing him on the show. He's going to tell his story. So just like you, I'm going to be hearing it for the first time. And this will help me give some authentic live reactions and some just conversational pieces that just come straight from my head. Um, So, J.D., I just want you to start from the top um, and tell your story. I'll probably rudely interrupt you a couple times, but it's not meant to be rude. (laughs) It's uh, It's for clarification or just wanting to know more. So, J.D., you have the floor, man. Sounds good. Hi, uh, my name is J.D., and I'm from the Philippines, and I have an unexpected story. First, the unexpected baby. My mom didn't know she was pregnant pregnant on me, not until I was already five months in. Um, uh, With, you know, the the medical expenses that it's expensive in the Philippines, instead of going to the hospital directly, um, you know, uh, they went to the outskirts um, outside of Metro Manila um, and they did, they did some voodoo chanting. Um, they really thought, my, my mom's sisters thought like something is going on with her because my elder sister is three years older than me and, after, and she's already a menopausal baby. So after her, she never had any more cycles. And for her tummy to get big, they thought she was possessed or something. So they went to the outskirts. They did the whole thing. Like they had like the, the leaves and the smokes and everything like to let it out. Um, they thought like something is wrong. Um, to, and to get rid to of, get rid of possession. What, whatever's yes, going whatever on. it is. Yes. And that's you. That's me. Okay, keep going. And then eventually... Um, you know, she went to the hospital and had an ultrasound and learned from the, you know, the, the technician doing the ultrasound, asking her, can you hear the heartbeat of your child? And that's when she found out like, oh, you mean I'm pregnant? And I would never forget um, when I was in fifth grade and sixth grade, almost every day, whenever she picks me up from school, she would tell me, Son, I never knew you were inside of me. Um, I didn't take care of myself. I didn't eat well. I really thought there's no more after your sister. And I thought it would lead to like a miscarriage because like I said, I didn't even take care of myself. And I'm just like so happy that you came out alive and healthy. That's incredible, A, because my wife's pregnant right now. And just the amount of things that... You know, she has to give up coffee, soda. That's just tip of the iceberg. And that, those are small things. But I can't imagine, you know, your mom, you know, not necessarily not know or not knowing and not taking care of herself. I just can't imagine that because we take everything so seriously. Right. So keep going. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, no worries. Um, 
Secondly, um, the unexpected truth. Um, all along, um, I thought we were a normal, simple family. Um, we were like, quote unquote, race Catholic. Um, on March 30th, 2004, um, at the graduation day of my sister in pharmacy in Metro Manila, um, my mom had a heart attack right before the graduation day, uh, commencement exercise even started. Um, so my sister had to graduate by herself. Uh, my dad rushed her to the hospital. Um, she was revived uh, for a couple more days in the ICU. And, in, on, and on April 2nd, 2004, she passed away. Um, I was studying for the college entrance exams at that point. I just finished junior high school. My other sister uh, is attending classes, so I didn't get the chance to see her um, before she passed away. At the funeral of my mom, you know, my eldest sister was helping my dad, you know, fix the papers, the death certificate and all that. And for some reason, she was looking for my parents' marriage certificate. And my aunt, my mom's sister, heard her and she said, Janice, can I talk to you all for a second? So she pulled the three of us at the back of the funeral and teary-eyed saying, Janice, you know that your parents were never married. And we're like, what? Um, and she said, your dad is married to another woman and he has three kids with her. And at that moment, the whole concept of family just like shattered in front of my face. And at that point, it made everything made sense why dad had to be away three, four days a week, knowing that he's going to the other job. Why I would hear my mom cry and we're not allowed to ask what's going on. Why we didn't know much of the decents. Like the whole decent side, because all of them were mad to my mom because she was the mistress. And I get the chance to know all these things when my mom is already cold in front of me. And at that point, I was like, if I can only have one more day just to see her, just to talk to her, that you didn't have to hide it all these years. And I was living in a lie. We were all living in a lie that we thought everything was normal. And to tell her that I'm your boy, I'm here, you didn't have to hide it, um, you didn't have to care by yourself. And the hard part is that we parted ways not in good terms because two days before the graduation day of my sister, I was drinking with my bandmates. I didn't go home because I was drunk and then the following day there was a practice for the outstanding students in my school and I told her I was part of that and next thing I know she was calling me at four o'clock in the morning I picked up the phone I was lying in bed with my bandmates because we're all drunk and she's like what in the world where are you like I told you to go home you didn't go home and then she picked me up and she scolded at my friends and all that. And I was like, and she was like, you have a practice. Why are you doing this to yourself? What are you doing in your life? Blah, blah, blah. And then 
that following day, the day before the graduation day of my sister, I went to school like hanging over everything and the the facilitator was like, oh, actually, JD, I'm sorry, you didn't make the cut because the, uh, the cutoff score is 94 and your average was 92. And then I told her that and then that made her more angry because I already made her expect that I'm part of it. And that was the the last time I talked to her uh, because she was she was pissed about what I did. I didn't go home and, and, and the, at the house. The rule is like, wherever you go, whatever party you go to, for any of us, you should go home. We're not allowed to sleep in in our friends' places. Um, at that point, um, I we we were raised Catholic, quote unquote. I I knew there was a God, but I didn't really have any faith. I was just like so mad to the to God because why did you take my mom away? Um, third. Before you go there, can I ask you a question? Sure. How did this go along with uh, your family dynamic? Like, how did you and your siblings cope with this? Or were y'all were just just pissed at, at God? Did y'all have conversations? Did it bring y'all closer together? Um, I would say at that point, after the truth was revealed to us, we kind of felt like, well, I guess, you know, that is free now to really spend time on the other side because, I mean, we don't have mom anymore. Um, and I just finished junior high school. My uh, elder sister is on her, was on her first year in college. And my elder sister just graduated. Right. So we're like, what's going to happen to us now? I mean, we don't know. I mean, succession, like, I mean, at that point, it's like, okay, we have to understand everything, like, how our things will get passed to us. Um, we were so thankful that my mom was so smart to put a lot of things on her name, like our house, our car, so that succession-wise, it will go to us. Otherwise, if it's under the name of my dad, it would be split with the other side. Did your dad know that? Yeah, my dad was aware about that. It's okay. just that my mom like ensured that if something happens, it's under her name. So we had to go through a lot of those like paperwork because now it's going to be us succeeding uh, in those properties. It's, uh, it's going to be now transferred to our names and not in my dad's name. Yeah, that's, that's wild. Now, how did your dad, how did you guys react to your dad? Did you feel like, um, obviously he had lied to you, so you're hurt. But like, how did your relationship change with your dad? Um, I would say there were... There were some fights. There were some conflicts that happened because we're like, why didn't we even know this? And um, my dad was like, I mean, I thought about saying to y'all, but um, I just couldn't find a, a, a better timing. Um, and it's hard because at that point, when my mom is already uh, gone, I mean, he wants us to be reconciled to the other side. And then I was like, I mean, I told, I talked to my sisters. I was like, how would you just want me to accept that I, now I have like half siblings that I've ever even met, like, and and like, they're even older than us. Like, I mean, how can I even do that? Like, it's just not gonna be easy. Yeah, or I think about the flip side too. How would they perceive y'all? Exactly. I mean, it's it's already hard. That's why, that's why it's hard for me whenever I hear other people like 
they learned that their dad or their mom have another family. And I was like, try to imagine if you're on the other side, you don't, that, and you didn't even know. You don't have any right to be, to be angry or anything like that because we're not even the legitimate family. Like, he's not even married to our mom. So it's like it's them who are like married and legitimate children. And, all and they feel like they're the ones being ripped off. Exactly. And that's how the world perceives it too. But you are like, hey, put your feet in my uh, shoes. shoes and feel how I'm feeling because it's the same thing happening because how are you supposed to know? Exactly. All right. So you find that out. What's next? Third, um, the unexpected stranger. So moving forward, I didn't know how to cope up with the loss. It's just like a huge void in me. And I don't think most people do. Fair. Fair to say. I think uh, that's fair to say. <laughs> and the way I d- dealt with it is um, I chased everything the world has to offer. So I chased for achievements. That's, that's number one. Um, I graduated with honors in high school, best in music, service award. I was part of the student council. In the ROTC, I graduated cadet lieutenant colonel, two awards. In college, I graduated cum laude, um, a leadership awardee. Um, I was also number 12 among 7,000 examinees of the CPA board exams in the Philippines. I was like, I was really like, I have to get there at the top, like to make my mom proud. Like I just have to like be there. I'll just have to like get myself busy every single time so that I don't have to say or people won't even notice or even ask about the background of my family because it's just like such a delicate topic for our family like I don't want them to see that part of my life basically to medicate like your feelings and the shame you felt in your past you wanted to achieve and stay busy so you never had to feel that exactly okay and um on top of that mixed with you know um drinking I'm a, I was a drunk card. I smoked cigarettes for five years, um, seven sticks a day. Uh, average, if I'm drinking, I would be a chain smoker. I'll finish the whole pack in one sitting. Um, inappropriate relationships with women, I would say not anywhere near pure. Um, I really chased everything the world has to offer. And then when I started my career um, back in 2009... In the Philippines? In the Philippines, Still in the Philippines, um, you know. I even at the expense of my coworkers, I didn't care for as long as they would see that I was the top performing employee. I just have to be there, and fortunately enough, because of that chasing achievements nature, um, when PwCUS asked for short term resources, I was one of the top five that they submitted, um, and I was. Among 25 um, other seniors in the practice. Um, and that was the very first time I entered the U.S. It was January of 2013. Did you did you get to choose as well? Like they chose you and you chose? Or was it like they chose you so you went? They chose me. And then I said, yeah, why not? Because I want achievements. Like, oh, that would add up to my credentials. Okay, like, okay. why not? Yeah, um, makes sense. I'm going to go for that. Um among the five, I was the only one sent to New York. Um, and then after that, um, I finished my assignment. I went back to the Philippines. And by, by, you know, April, I went back May, April. So this time, six years ago, May, June, July, August, September, this next 
five months back in 2013, back in Manila, I felt like I was at the top of my game. These were the months where I'm like, you know, I got promoted. I got sent to New York. I have some wealth. I have a car. I partied like crazy. I felt like I have everything. But every time I go back home to my to my apartment, I felt like something is missing. I was like, what's there to life? What's the purpose of living? Like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I literally said the words, everything is meaningless. I have all these things and yet everything is like meaningless. Something is not filling the void. And I don't want to do this anymore. And by September, I told my boss, my immediate boss, like, I'm quitting. That was the, the time that I already planned to take my life. I, I had like a suicide plan um, behind the scenes. And I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. So I, I said, I'm going to be quitting. And then he said, you know what? I heard your assignment in the U.S. The second assignment got confirmed. You're going to Houston. You should talk to the partner. And I was like, oh, well, that's another achievement. If I will chase that and if I'll get that, that will add up to my credentials. So I was like, yeah, why not? I'll stay. Um, and that stopped my plan. And um, by October of 2013, the next batch of CPA uh, examinees came out um, and since I graduated from the top accounting school in the country they asked me to like uh, help recruit the next CPAs to join the firm I was like okay um, since I'm just waiting I have a pending application at the US Embassy in Manila to go to Houston and at in the in for the meantime I was like okay let me help y'all and one of the guys that I got that was given to me was the unexpected stranger by November 19, 2013, it was a Tuesday. That was the very first time I met him. And I hosted his visit to the firm. I brought him to the different interviews. I was just hosting. I'm not the one interviewing him. Um, and then that same day when we met, he said, Hey, JD, um, after this whole interview process, at 7 o'clock at the neighboring city next to Manila, I'll be meeting up with some guys in a coffee shop and we will be like reading some Bible verses and we'll be talking about it. Do you want to go? And I was like, at the back of my mind, I was like, I, I, don't, I don't even know you. We just met today. Um, you're like five years younger than me and you're asking me to join this Bible study group. I'm like, this is so weird. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, why? I mean, why are you even asking me that? And then, I was like, I, I don't know. I think I have a meeting. Let me talk to my boss. And I talked to my boss. I was like, do we have a meeting? And it's like, oh, it's done. You can go. I was like, okay. And then I thought to myself, well, if I go back to my apartment, I know it's going to be an empty night again. I'll just be drinking and smoking. And it's another empty night. So I was just like, okay, Why not? I'll just go with you. Um, but because of the traffic of Metro Manila, which is worse than, worse than LA. Really? We arrived there. It was already 8 o'clock. I mean, it's already done. The gathering's already over. Everybody saw me, and I don't even know them. And I was like, okay, this is embarrassing. Um, and they all left, and I was like, you know what? We're already here. We're, we're like in the middle of a mall. So I was like, let's just grab dinner. Um, so that same night, um, we sat there, and then he made me so comfortable to share what's been going on. And I told him 
what what what's like for me like for the past few months and i told him like everything's meaningless it's empty i feel like you know there's n- nothing to live for um and that same night he said you know what i go to this church um and we have a service on saturdays um it's open it's open for everybody um it's at four o'clock if you want to go i'll be there um it's open for it's non-denominational um just if you don't have any plans and i was like well what would i do at four o'clock on a saturday and i was <laughs> like well it's not yet time to party so i guess i i can just like go um and then i went there it was november 23rd uh that saturday and i was like that was my very first um non-catholic catholic mass and i was like you guys talk about the bible like for like an hour <laughs> and I was like, in the Catholic Mass, we don't even dwell about those things. It's just like 15 minutes and just like we're going to do all the rituals and then just move on. Like, I'm amazed how you guys talk about it. And the service is all about generosity. It's not all about the money. I was like, I'm so amazed by it. But I'm going to be honest to you. Like, I didn't feel anything. I'm amazed, but like nothing. And then he said... Okay, let me share you some past podcasts of the church. Give it a shot and let me know what you think. That following Monday, November 25th, 2013, was already my turning point. I went back to my apartment. I was by myself in Manila. I listened to the first podcast and I played it. And, the, and it's about Ecclesiastes 1. Oh. That everything was meaningless. And I was like, that's exactly what I said. And then I listened to the second podcast. It's all about toxic relationships. Do not be up with unbelievers and all that. I was like, all the parties and all the drinking. And then I listened to the third podcast. It's about the love of God. Nor depth, nor height, nor weight can separate you from the love of God. And I was like, and there's two more. And after that... I was weeping at the corner of my bedroom. It was like cold water like poured over me. And the very first words that came out of my mouth was or were, why me? Why him? How did God know I was hiding all these years? And then I texted him. I was like, who, who are you really? Are you, are you God? And then he was like, I'm not God. And I was like, I want to know who this Christ is more. And he was like, sounds about the right response. Um, so for the next two gatherings, I joined them for a small group. And it was already the Christmas break. It was already December. And I have a pending application at the U.S. Embassy in Manila. And we were all praying, including myself. I was like, Lord, I think I'm okay. Even if I don't get that assignment in Houston, um, that visa to, to go back to, to the U.S., I think I found a community here. And then come January of 2014, my visa got approved. I had, I had to go. I said, hey, guys, goodbye. And I had to fly to Houston. So what was your feeling? So, so, so two months, you've kind of been following Christ at that point, a month and a half. And you have to leave these guys, this comfort zone. What, what's going through your mind at this point? At that point, I was like, I was like, we were all praying, like, God, um, I'm okay, even if I don't go anymore. And, um, 
but if it's your will for me to go, then let your will be done. And um, I already have a community here. Um, I think I'm going to be okay without that. Um, and then I, it got confirmed. I I already signed the papers and all that. I was like, hey, guys, I guess I got to go. Um, so I left. Wow. Just faith, faithful. Yeah. Just trusting it. Okay, so what happens in Houston? So you go to Houston Jan- or in January? 2014. End of, Janu- end of January? 4th. This is the fourth part. Okay. The unexpected community. Um, so for the next two months, I was trying to search for a similar church that I experienced in Houston. I saw in Manila, in Houston. And I can't find one. I stumbled upon a church called Lakewood. And um, it's so positive. Everything is so positive. And I was like, I mean, I don't know if this is the similar church that I've been to. It's kind of like different. I went to a Catholic church. Um, and I went to the Catholic church and I said, no, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. And then I stumbled upon a non-denominational church as well. And I, I filled out the connect card, my email, my cell phone, my address, and nobody reached out to me. And I was like, maybe it doesn't even exist in the U.S. Maybe I'm just streaming. Um, and then I was like, where can I find a church? And then I stumbled upon Passion Conference at Toyota Center. I was looking for events. What's happening in Toyota Center? Maybe I'll just like go to a concert or whatever. And then I saw Passion Conference. I was like, what was that? And then I saw like Louis Giglio, like Judah Smith, Francis Chan, Hillsong United. I was like, oh, oh, it's like a conference happening here where I'm at. It's happening over Valentine's weekend. I was like, maybe I'll just go. I went there by myself. And fortunately enough, I ended up sitting right next to Hillsong United. And I was like talking to the the guy on my left. I was like, isn't she the one who sang Oceans? And then he said, yeah, it's Ty Smith. I was like, I'm like, what? I mean, oh man. I mean, I'm just like listening to their songs. I don't know. I would be like sitting right next to them. I was like. That's insane. I was like. This is just an amazing Valentine's weekend. It was a, a date with the Lord. And the the random people that I met there, they were all praying for me because they're all not from Houston. So they're like, we hope you're going to find a community here in Houston uh, in the next you know few months that you're here. And how many people are Passion? Thousands. It's right? like 20,000 people. Okay. That's insane. Yeah. If you don't know who Hillsong is, well... You know who they are. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I I was new to that. Like, I just learned about them like literally a month or two ago when I was in Manila. Like when I just started like going to this church where I got reached out to, um, and here I am. I'm, I'm like literally, I could just like tap to Tyson. Hey, I listened to your song. <laughs> um, and then come following week, um, in the next uh, couple of weeks or so. You know, my staff at work was was asking me, JD, how do you act? What's the password to access the client files? We were like in the engagement uh, at the client site. And I was like, oh, you know, the password, it's called, uh, the password is um, Hillsong United. And then he was like, Hillsong United. He was like, are you, are you you believe? I was like, I I am a believer. Uh, We're talking like really low because it's like the whole team is over there. I was like. And he was like, you should have told me. I could have invited you to our church. I was like, how would I know that you even go to church? I don't even know that. Like, <laughs> That is great. And then 
he invited me to that um, to the next gathering of their community group. It was April second, two thousand fourteen, exactly the tenth year anniversary of my mom's death. When I entered that house in Houston, when they were gathering that Wednesday night, and I knew when I saw them and they were all praying, I was like, "This is it," and. I got plugged to that church in Houston, and it became my home church for the next three years. I would say that was really the time that I really learned how to walk in community. I was so young in my faith. My time in the Philippines was just like a month and a half, a month or a month and a half. And in Houston, it was like, that was like a long time. And a lot of conflicts came out, cultural differences came out. I'm the only Filipino there. Um, I'm, I was holding to the ideal concept of community and God, you know, really taught me through this community that it's imperfect. Um, they love me imperfectly. They extended grace to me and I had to learn a lot of things the hard way. And um, looking back now, I would say I'm so thankful for them because they really... Um, extended grace in the midst of my brokenness, um, my stubbornness, like me not understanding how things work and all that. And um, What and were I, some of the cultural differences, if you don't mind me asking? Because I, I teach a world geography class, so like I love hearing about like how cultures kind of clash. Yeah. So, well, I would say, where, where can I start? Um, food would be a, a typical difference. Like... Um, when I was with that group, it's like, you know, they, in, in, I think when I was already with them for like a couple of years at that point, you know, they, they haven't really thought about encouraging me or being mindful that, of course, my default choice of food would be Asian food. You know, that's kind of like me. Um, but of course, also looking at on the other side, their default food would be their food burgers and fries right. and like tacos um and you know cultural differences like there was one time i didn't join them because i was like i love y'all but i just miss i want to eat this i want to i want to have this and you know i got called out for that that i was being selfish just because like instead of following with them i chose to do this and i'm like wouldn't y'all be like hey how can I encourage you by joining you on that one instead of just like calling me out that I'm doing something different? Yeah, I can in see reality. both sides of that coin. Exactly. Sure. Um, that's one. I mean, two, I've been in roommates with a couple of guys and a lot of cultural differences came out as well because uh, in our culture, oh man, you don't put like shoes and all that inside your closet. That's like a big no-no. Like, man, you don't want to mix the smell and everything. Like, no, that's... So for me, I put it, like, right next to the door or, like, like that. So for them, it's like, JD, why are your shoes here? Like, you have to, like, put it in your bedroom. I'm like, what? It's just going to smell. I mean, so it's like a lot of these things came out. Like That's incredible. And to be clear, JD came in and instantly had a judgment of me because of the feng shui of my <laughs> house, which I found out it's actually pretty decent, right? It's not the worst. I know. So, you know, I I could see how that would... I mean, being married, like, not even cultural differences, but there's just a lot of 
differences of like how she did stuff and how I did stuff. So I can totally understand how that would go. So so keep going. Yeah. You found this community of believers. You're you're growing. Yeah. Um, for three years in Houston. Then what happens next? Next, um, the last part, which would eventually lead me to Dallas, um, the unexpected fall, um, June twenty seventeen. So it was two years from today. Two years ago, um, as I've told you, I've always been successful. I always get it. I always get it. And I never knew it would ever happen to me. Um, in June 2017, I was part of a massive layoff. Um, the oil and gas market was down at that point still. Um, they lost some clients here and there, you know. What would you do if the revenue is going down and the costs keep on rising? Um, and of course, like with the with the current administration, like hire American first. So it's like I'm a foreign national. So who would you chop first? And I was part of that group. Um, and you know, two days right. It really happened two days after my birthday, and at nine forty-five in the morning in broad daylight, I was jobless. And I email blasted my community group, the elders, all of my friends in Houston. I was like, I need help. Um, I need another employer who would sponsor me. And for the next two months... How long did you have? Two months? So, great question. As soon as I lost my status... I, I Sorry, as soon as I lost my job, I lost my status. So I had to exit the U.S. in 60 days. So I'm, Not unless I find another sponsor. Um, so I had, I searched for the next, I mean, I mourned for the next couple of days first. One of my guys, he was like, JD, let's have, let's grab lunch. So the following day we grabbed lunch and I was with him. We were like at this Vietnamese place. Like he knows how to encourage me. So we were like eating some banh mi and I was like, bro, I just, I just don't really get it. Um, here I am, I'm following the Lord and I lost my job. And if I'll be looking at the workplace, it's like, they don't even follow the Lord. And they're getting all the accolades, the promotion, and they have a job. And then he was like, JD, I'm going to stop you right there. It may be hard to hear it right now, but let me, tell you, let me tell this to you. What is our goal here? Is our goal to be promoted? Is our goal to get all these labels and, and, and jobs and titles and whatnot? Isn't it our goal to have an intimate relationship with Jesus? And I was like, bro, that is so true. But right now, can you just give me a, a moment to mourn over here? Like, I just, I just need some time. I mean, I know that that's so totally true. But right now, I mean, I just give me a day, give me a two, a day or two, and I'll get back up. And true enough, like some other of my friends, like, you know, they encouraged me. I had dinner with some friends. They were like, JD, don't be shy. I mean, do you need help in packing? Do you need do you need some rides? If you have to sell your car, you don't have a car anymore. Like, tell us how can we help you? Um, it really came out like like I really I was really spread with like community around me, like trying to like encourage me and help me in whatever capacity. Um, I have some guys that are like, JD, I don't know your world. I don't know the accounting world. I don't know how can I really help you in the job search, but I'm your guy for like 
comfort food. So let, let's go here. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be your guy for that. So it's like a lot of them really helped me in, in a lot of things. Um, so for the next two months, 60 days, and, you know, even the, the next month in Manila, so for three months, I was like searching for a job like crazy. It was like a full-time job. Um, I sent out applications everywhere. And for the record, I have a tracker. I placed over 205 applications across nine countries, more than half in the United States, across probably like half of the 50 United States in in different cities, like in different job functions, like I'm just like, I just need a job. Outside of the U.S., I applied in Canada, Australia, U.K., Ireland, Korea, Japan, Singapore, Dubai. Um, and I was like, I, I just need a job. Um, and I, I've, my one-way flight ticket back to Manila, August 11, 2017, as soon as I stepped foot in the plane, I just started weeping. Um, and I texted my guys, I said... I hope I'll see you guys again someday, you know, maybe not in the U.S., um, maybe in another country. I don't have a visa to really enter the U.S., but you know what, what's, what's good is that if you think about it, God blessed me with three and a half years combining the U.S., like New York and Houston. Isn't that amazing? I never even thought I would step foot here, so it's like... It's, it's already a blessing in itself, and I was in a great community, and I learned a lot, and maybe it's really time to go home. Um, I got back in Manila, and my family just, like, embraced me with open arms, um, you know, back there, and two weeks after I got back in Manila, Hurricane Harvey hit Houston like crazy, devastated Houston, Yeah, and among all of my applications, there was only one who emailed me asking me. They thought I was still in Houston. And they asked me, are you okay? Do you need some help? And I was like, I, I don't even have an offer from this company. And yet they're asking me if I'm okay. And I was like, um, what's, getting, what's happening here? You know, you know true enough. Two weeks after that, mid-September, they extended an offer. It was this job in Dallas that brought me back to the U.S. By December of 2017, I got my visa and I landed back in Dallas, December 23rd. And I can't believe it. I didn't know anyone in Dallas. I didn't know anything in Dallas. And I was like asking all of my friends in Houston, like, hey, guys. I mean, where should I go? Where should I live? Which church should I go to? And they're like, JD, that's why we don't live in Dallas. We don't like Dallas. We're from Houston. Yeah, there's this like weird rivalry. <laughs> Which one do you like better? Well, that's that's a hard question. I would say at this point, um, I would say Dallas. Team Dallas. Okay, keep going. You're, you're allowed to keep going. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's only one friend that I had in Houston who eventually said, J.D., I was born and raised in Dallas before I moved to A&M for college and eventually in Houston for work. And that's going to be Watermark. Um, 
I'll be praying that you'll get connected there and you'll find community. Um, true enough, I pulled it up. It was three three miles away from my place. I was like, yeah, why not? By January of 2018, I started going to Watermark and immediately I started the membership classes and all that and I got connected to a community. And then somebody told me about regeneration. Um, by, you know, end of March, early April of last year, I went to regeneration and the first night that I arrived there was a Monday night. I was like talking to the ushers at the doors. I was like, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be here. I feel like I just need to talk to somebody and I think I'm ready to go. And then they're like, I think you came to the right place. (laughs) And it took me four Mondays at groundwork. Even that very first night, I told them like, I'm not sure what I'm struggling with. It took me four Mondays before I finally admitted, you know what? After listening to all of them, I'm... My name is Shady, and I'm recovering from pride, anger, control, discontentment, selfishness, people-pleasing, pornography, and masturbation. Um, And then I I went through the process. I got plugged in a step group. By step four, my mentor, which I got connected to with a a good friend, um, told me, just write it all out. Don't leave anything out. Just write everything out in that inventory stage. By step five, I was in my group, um, step group, and at that point, we're already so vulnerable. Um, Step five is confess, and we all shared what's going on and all that. And when it was my turn, I was like, guys, um, I thought I would never say this. I thought I would bring this to my grave. And I said... For the very first time that time, back when I was in grade school, I was molested. I was molested by my cousin. He was older than me. It's something that I place at the very back of my memory. I don't want to remember it anymore, but I know it happened. That plus losing my mom and my family just like shattered right there. I really lost my identity. And I was like, what am I? Who am I? (laughs) I even looked at the other side of porn and I was like, I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed. I was full of bitterness. I was full of anger. And at that point, it just like released the weight in my shoulders. Because I never knew I would ever say it. I didn't tell it to any of my girlfriends because I don't want them to know. I don't want to be judged. By step six, repent. When I was writing my repentance plan, and I was like, what am I really repenting from? And that that's when it really clicked me. You know what I'm repenting from? My name is JD. I have a new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from pride, seeking identity, self-worth, and security from others, and porn and masturbation. And the reason why... I got to that point is because that's when I realized. Because if I don't get validated, if I don't get affirmed, I get angry. I feel like I need to control it. I get discontented. I become selfish. I please people. If I don't get any of that, 
I go rent the porn and masturbate. And I will hide everything with pride. By March of 2019, I commence from regeneration. Um, and here I am. And I, I, I've, I know there's, I'm, not, I'm not like fully fixed and all that. But I'm aware now it was a humbling experience about my sinful patterns and my sinful behavior. I have a new life in Christ. And, um, and I was brought to recovery. Um, let me say this first before I close. Back when I was in uh, regeneration, actually, I wrote this uh, psalm. It's a lamentation when I was in Houston in 2017, and then I added more when I was in regeneration. And this is now part of my story. Let me read it to you all, and I'll close after this. Here you go. I said, I come before you, O Lord, with a weary heart. Feels like I hit rock bottom and I'm torn apart. Where are you, Lord, now that I'm filled with sorrow? I'm lost and I don't know what's up for tomorrow. I trusted you when I moved to the land known as an opportunity. Without a doubt, it looked like a promised one with milk and honey and longevity. It gave a fresh perspective for a brighter future, so surreal yet so real. It removed the doubts, I am unsure. If forgiveness is real, why did I get rejected by my brother? Didn't you tell me that we are your friends chosen for one another? If racial reconciliation is real, why did my brethren with color leave the community? Didn't you tell me that we are your adopted children, you are the head and we are one body? If healing is real, why is my family suffering? Didn't you say, if I ask, you shall be near and caring? If mission is real, why is my job uncertain and shaking? Didn't you plant me here with this gift for your people's partaking? If you are my savior, why did you allow my cousin to abuse me? Didn't you tell me that you would protect me? If you have planned my life with you, with why did you create me out of sin, out of a broken family, and outside of marriage? Didn't you tell me that you have molded me through your likeness and image? You know how much my pride is crushing, with an iron sword hitting me like a piercing. You know why I'm desiring for that promotion? Because I thought it would give me a sense of direction. Oh Lord, I surrender everything to you at the altar. Why can't I find you even from afar? I'm dying in my sins and seeking for forgiveness. With arms wide open, remove my loneliness. I'm crying out, O oh Lord, take these negative memories away from me. Please pull me out of this misery. My heart is hardened and I need your grace. Maybe I need to start with a father's embrace. My soul is weary and longing for your presence. Life is just plain meaningless with your absence. I'm the prodigal son, ran away thinking I could pull it together. And I have come to my senses knowing I can only live through you forever. <laughs> Father, I need your real comfort, love, and guidance in my life. Since you said you are the way, the truth, and the light. Take me out of the darkness with renewed strength and confidence and to see the path you are leading me with a proper lens. <laughs> Teach me how to be patient and humble without taking control, loose and stumble. 
Give me an armor of faith and learn how to be trustworthy, knowing that in the midst of the storms, I can live with you peacefully. To sum it up, I am the unexpected, unwanted baby that was born. Learned about an unexpected truth about my family at the funeral of my mom. Reached out by an unexpected stranger, a guy five years younger, younger than me. I was trying to recruit to the firm, eventually recruited me to the church. Stumbled upon an unexpected community in Houston who taught me how to really walk in community, loving me imperfectly and extending grace to me in the midst of my brokenness. And experienced an unexpected fall in my career which at that time, it was so hard to see. And God provided for an unexpected job to bring me back here. I could have died in my mother's womb. We all know that. I could have died six years ago if I ended up taking my life. But God has been so patient, loving, merciful, just, gracious. To let me live and to continue to use me for his glory I was that was me back then and now that's what Galatians 2:20 said um, I have a new life in Christ um, it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me in the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith through the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me that's incredible, man. Um, I'm so thankful um, that you felt comfortable enough to share that. Um, I hope people are encouraged. Um, I do want to hit on one more thing. Um, where are you at now? Like, what what is this whole process looking like right this second? So, <clears throat> it looks like my journey is continuing right now. Um, my job is currently uncertain uh the future is uncertain um i'm currently looking for a job um i'm about to i'm about to lose my current job and similar two years ago um i've been searching and tracking my applications and now i'm already over way over one um 200 uh like 15 uh applications um in the u.s alone um I don't know where this is headed. Um, my family's aware. Um, and I know in the midst of this, it's a waiting game at the end of the day. But what am I learning out of this? I wrote my next song. Um, it's a song for waiting. It's short, I promise. <laughs> Dude, it can be as long as incredible. It can be as long as you want it to be, man. Uh, so here it is. This is my current... Uh, season right now i said i father our, our father i come before you with an open hand it's been quite a journey since i moved to the foreign land an immutable god is what we say so here i am my heart is what i lay you saw my achievements was full of pride crushing it and gave me a church community as a guide you were right that to find you i have to lose my life otherwise i always end up being in strife you led me to regeneration and vulnerability, knowing that in Christ there is real recovery. 
You told me to trust the process even if my heart is breaking. And learn that there is healing in sharing. You taught me how to serve and not be paid. It softened my heart and not worry about my grade. You taught me how to love in the midst of a broken world and frustrations, trusting that you will always make ways and provisions. You taught me that humility is the highest virtue, admitting to myself that my unworthiness is true. You taught me to count others higher than myself, knowing that to live in Christ is the highest wealth. You know the desires of my heart, O oh Lord, even if it's impossible, only you can afford. Continue to mold me with a content heart, hear my words, and show me the path where I could start. So in my current you know, season, these days, this past weeks or so, I've been consistent with the word every day. I'm currently going through Isaiah. Um, it's amazing. Isaiah 8 just passed by and the Lord said, ask for a sign. And I was like very clear to, my, to the Lord, like, Lord, you know my desire. You know, I want to stay here in the U.S., especially if preferably here in Dallas, because I've had great, I have a great community here in Watermark. Um, but if this is not your will, if you want me to go somewhere else, then show me where I'm headed. All this time, I'm just asking for discernment, a revelation of your plan, of his plan over my life. That's incredible, man. Golly, I, uh, <laughs> I really don't have much to say. Um, there's not much I really can say, but I just want to thank you for coming on, JD. I hope your, your story continues to encourage people. Um, I don't know how many people listen to this. I don't have the, the exact number, but I know every person who listens to this particular episode will be so encouraged just by your faith and by your consistency and by your humility. So, um, again, I just wanted to thank you for coming on, man. And, and, um, geez, I, I hope you stay in Dallas too. <laughs> I hope so too. We'll see where the Lord takes me. We can wrap it up with that. See where the Lord takes you, man. All right, well, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Masses World. I hope you enjoyed, enjoyed the show. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Masses World. Again, instead of rating, subscribing, and reviewing this podcast, I ask that you share it with one person that might like to hear it. Thanks again for joining me, and I look forward to seeing you next time.